Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the 38th episode, the Pierre-Henri Raffinelle episode. And yes, I dug deep into the F1 archives for that one. But guys, this is the last Break Bias episode of 2022. So of course, this is the season recap. We got some ratings. We got some rankings. Some looking back on my horrible preseason and midseason predictions. Uh, and then we will end it off with uh, the breakies, aka season awards for you know stuff like best driver, funniest moment, and more. So that one will be a fun one. We're gonna bring on Andrew Shackleton for that as well. So without further ado, let's take a look at my predictions. It's lights out, and away we go. All right, guys, before we visit my predictions, uh, I think we have to talk about quickly just two things that has happened since the last episode of Break Bias. First and foremost, we have to talk about the resignation of Mattia Bonato, Ferrari team principal. He had been at the team since the 90s, and now he steps away, whether it was him being pushed out or his actual decision to leave. That's all speculation. I think the only thing that I can really comment on is what I think this means for Ferrari. They have not found a replacement, and I think the fact that they haven't found a replacement does suggest more that it was Matias' decision to step away. However, I think a guy who has worked there for that long makes it all the way up to team principal and then steps away when their car is in a great place. Yes, they struggled from, you know, a strategy point of view this season, for sure. I think that is kind of a puzzling move. So that's why it kind of brings up the speculation. But anyway, I think this is an L for Ferrari. To be honest, I know people love to clown Mattia um, and the strategy from this year and, you know, just how the whole team is managed and the lack of accountability. I think that was a big one. However, where we're basically where they got screwed in 2019 well they may have screwed themselves whatever basically 2019 their illegal engine and then 2020 they take a huge step in performance backwards and then to you know get to this point that quickly again I think is is honestly extremely impressive so I don't know I personally think it's a bit of an L for for Ferrari here um I don't know. I really think Mattia was actually a great guy from the uh, performance side for their team. However, yeah, I guess maybe he's not the guy to lead them to a championship. He was the guy to, you know, bring their car back to championship form. I could see that argument. However, I don't know. It's uh, it's a bit questionable, I guess. Um, and the other thing is, uh, the Chinese Grand Prix has been officially canceled. This was kind of, I mean, Mattia, to be honest, was too. Both these news were kind of, um, expected to come at some point. I think, uh, Mattia Bonato resigning was, I think a little bit more shocking. The Chinese Grand Prix, you kind of knew that was going to be canceled for a while. And the biggest shame is just for Guan Yuzhou, I think. I would have loved to see him race in China, just or anyone, to be honest. Just I would love to have seen a Chinese driver race there. And I think we're also missing out on a pretty solid track. There's a lot of tracks nowadays that, um, yeah, it's just uh, they're not great tracks for racing. And 
the Chinese Grand Prix actually does provide a lot of great opportunities for racing. So yeah, that, that one will be missed. Uh, I feel for, for Joe. Um, and I honestly kind of hope that they don't replace it with anything unless it's like a real banger track. I personally don't care enough for Portimao to see it come in, in, um, in place of China. So yeah, I guess that's, that's all I'll say on those two things. Let's get into what, you know, we're really all here for, and that is, um, my predictions, my horrible predictions from, uh, the beginning, the beginning of the year and the mid season. So I think the best way to go about this is I'm actually going to roll the clip. So this is from the, the very first episode of break bias where I, you know, it's, we're, we're in the midst of preseason testing and I'm giving my predictions for the season. And to be honest, I think I sound a lot better for one. Now that was, uh, my first episode guys was a, a school project. I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast before, but I'd always wanted to do a Formula One podcast, and once my school project basically forced me to finally do it, and I did it, I absolutely fell in love with it, and I love doing this every single week with you guys. Um, Of course, this is going to be the last one of this year, and I'm going to be taking a little break, and I might try to schedule some interviews for for next year to to kind of fill the gaps until March, Um, but however, uh, yeah, I will be taking a break. I just wanted to mention that, and so yeah, hopefully you guys can uh, notice the difference, um, because I think I sound a lot better now, uh, but maybe I sound the same, and I've shown absolutely no improvement over the course of these 40 episodes I've had with you guys, um, but anyway, let's roll the clip. I'm not going to run through the whole 20 drivers for my season predictions. Instead, I'll make note of some of my most notable predictions. Uh, I have Max Verstappen repeating as champion. I believe Lewis and Mercedes will not be in it as much as they were last year, but I do believe they'll make a late charge and edge Ferrari for second in the constructors. I got Red Bull also winning the constructors. Uh, Lewis will be finished P2 in the driver's championship, but a little bit further off of Max. I have Charles in P3, Sergio in P4, George P5, and Sainz P6. And like I said, I am also pretty high on Haas. I believe there will finish eighth or higher in 2022. Um, and I think at least four teams will win a race on merit. I think the top three teams definitely, definitely will win a race, that being Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull. And who that fourth team is going to be, I'm not sure. It probably will be McLaren. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Haas rapid at one of these first tracks. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Alpine and even Alfa Romeo. Sure, they dealt with reliability issues, but they were quick. Uh, I think every team will score at least five points, including Williams, who I think will finish last. I see them finish. I see them scoring at least five points and half the grid will score a podium with these new regs. I really do believe that it just opens the door for all teams to fight on a little bit more of an even play, even playing field. Definitely some teams can drop the ball and just completely miss, and they could be awful. You know, it opens up the opportunity for that too. But I really do believe after testing, I don't think any team stood out as horrible. I, I really don't think that. So I think that Williams will be finishing last, but probably score 5 to 10 points on the season, which is exciting. I think it's going to make the midfield a lot more interesting. Not bad, right? I mean, I actually think I did pretty well. I predicted the champion. I predicted the constructors champion. Um, I thought Mercedes was going to come back to 
to catch Ferrari for P2 in the end. Obviously, that did not happen. I was very wrong about Lewis Hamilton. Um, that was, I think, a surprise to most people. I don't think anyone would have expected Lewis to finish sixth um, out of the top you know, six drivers. That was definitely surprising for everyone. And Mercedes was further off than I expected. I thought that they would start off a little slow. Um, but yeah, I think overall that was a pretty good prediction. You know, the fact that Williams, um, they were last place and, you know, scored over five points. I think that was also a great prediction. Um, the biggest L that I took was I thought the midfield was going to be closer to the top teams. That couldn't have been further from the truth. You know, I said I thought four teams would win on merit. Three teams barely won on merit. Uh, Mercedes came in in the nick of time at the end of the season to win a race on merit. It was almost just two teams. So I was pretty far off um, on that one. However, I'm not too upset about what those predictions were for the beginning of the season. I mean, I don't know, guys. I don't know. What do you guys think? Because I think that was actually pretty well done. I'm giving myself a pat on the back. Um, and yeah, I thought McLaren would be better as well. But, you know, they still finished fifth. And at times it did look like best of the rest. I'm not surprised that, you know, Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes kind of outdeveloped them. I would have 100% thought that at the beginning of the season. I just thought it would start closer based off of Barcelona testing, although we all know how Bahrain went for McLaren. That was a shocker. So that's basically all I'll say in terms of my preseason predictions. Now let's look at my summer break predictions. I made five. So if you guys listen to the summer break recap, I made predictions based off of, you know, a percentage. So my 20% prediction was my least bold prediction. And then my 100% prediction was my most bold. So I made five, 20, 40, 60, 80, and 100. And I, my goal at the end of the season, because I said we were going to play these back, was to reach at least 100%. And I will say right now, I fell just short. I only got 80%, kind of. You'll see. I, I say it's 80% because my original prediction was correct. I just kind of added a little added a little thing into the prediction that, you know, was technically wrong. Um, but the actual the actual prediction was correct. So you'll see. I'm going to play each one separately and give you my thoughts on those ones. So let's roll the clip for my 20% prediction. So at 20%, uh, my 20% bold prediction is going to be something that I've actually talked about already on this podcast, and that is Mercedes finishing P2 in the constructors. I think Ferrari will probably have the better car still for the rest of the season, but they have taken every little bit of faith that I've had in Ferrari and put that faith on the hard tires at the Hungarian Grand Prix. <laughs> so, yeah, basically meaning that all faith and pace is gone. <laughs> um, yeah, like like Charles Leclerc's pace, my faith in Ferrari is gone. Uh, so, yeah, I got Mercedes passing them with, with strong reliability, great driving and team play, and improving car performance. So, of course, this ended up being wrong. Um, but I'm not too upset about it. It was my least bold prediction. I was actually pretty confident that this would happen at this point of the half of the halfway mark. You know, the Singapore Grand Prix and the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix really cost um, you know Mercedes catching Ferrari in the end, and Ferrari didn't have really any mechanical failures like we saw so often from them in the beginning of the season. So 
hats off to Ferrari for keeping on uh, to P2. And I think there's not really a whole lot to be said here. It was the least bold prediction anyway. So let's roll the clip for 40%. So at 40%, doubling up the boldness for this one. I'm really stepping it up. I'm saying Ferrari will be the only team for the rest of the season to achieve a 1-2. Yep, I was just trashing Ferrari. but uh, And I do still think Mercedes will pass them. But I think they will achieve a 1-2 at either Suzuka or Singapore. I'm, I'm even, I'm even going to throw the races out, even though that's not a part of my bold prediction. I think it'll be at one of those places. Just have a feeling. Singapore has always been a Ferrari track or just a pure disaster. It's probably going to be one of those two this year as well. Um, so we'll see how it goes down. But I, I honestly don't see a Mercedes 1-2 for sure. And you'll see why I'm not saying there's going to be a Red Bull one either. So, yeah. Uh, the only one-two that's going to happen for the rest of the season is going to go the way of the Scuderia. So this one was a massive L. Ferrari did not even win a race, let alone achieve a one-two. That was a shocking prediction. And, in fact, Mercedes achieved a one-two and Red Bull achieved a one-two. So literally the only other teams that won this season each achieved a 1-2 in the second half of the season, and Ferrari didn't even win a race. I could not have been more wrong about this prediction. So this is the biggest L I think I take out of all of them because the 100% prediction, yeah, I was really wrong. Well, actually, that is up for debate because once I roll this 60% clip, you might think, what in the world were you thinking? Um, That one was also an L prediction, but this one was just bad because of how everything also turned out the fact that they didn't even win and then the other two teams the team that hadn't even won a race achieved a one two so that was an l and also in hindsight i can't believe that this 60 percent prediction that i'm about to roll was the 60 percent that my 80 percent was 80 percent i think probably should have been the other way around but anyway let's roll the clip for 60 percent 60% upping the ante. I'm going with Perez goes the rest of the year without a podium. Oh boy, I'm getting risky with it now. I might have just lost the whole fan base. I don't know how many Mexican listeners I have. Probably not too many, but they are mad if you're out there. Um, yeah, Checo, I think, will come back a bit stronger in the second half. Not to mention we, we'd have a Mexican Grand Prix in the second half, which has always been a strong Red Bull track and a place that Sergio will definitely be amped for. This is definitely a real possibility, though, guys. As he is falling away from Max hard, and he has been the sixth fastest of the top six of the past two Grand Prix, um, I think Mercedes is going to keep getting better. Ferrari's pace is still really strong. If they actually have a strong second half of the season, guys, it's only nine races. We might not see Checo up on that podium again. All right, so far 0 for 3 and Bradley Kramer. What in the world were you thinking here? You lost an entire Mexican fan base that we all knew. The Mexicans love my work. I mean, what can I say? They were my biggest fan base, and then I just did that to them. So I, I apologize. Um, of course, I don't think I have a single Mexican listener. I'm just joking. Um, however, if I do and you heard that and you're still listening, thank you so much. Um, you are just the best person because I imagine it is probably only one of you at most so yeah this one was just bad I think Perez immediately got a podium in the second half uh, this one was wrong like immediately he also won a race in Singapore this one was just yeah it was bad he had plenty of podiums and his form going into the second half was really bad but I should have I should have known that you know 
he would be able to reset during the break and and come back stronger. So yeah, that this one was really bad. I should have just I thought Mercedes would, you know, they would get better quicker and they would challenge um they would challenge Checo and basically both Ferrari and Red Bull for for podiums more often and Checo's whole thing with his floor would would end up costing him. So there was some like logic behind it. But in the end also just like all it would all it takes is a couple, you know, DNFs from a Ferrari and a and a Mercedes and Checo's going to be on the podium, right? So that one was that one was extremely bold and was was just a yeah, a bad prediction. So let's roll the clip for the only prediction that I got right. Now the 80%, I'm going to blow your mind holes with this prediction, guys. Um, and I'm going to say that Hamilton will win the same amount of races as Leclerc over the final nine rounds. Yep, I just said that. 80%, baby. We're, we're getting crazy with it. Leclerc, who's crossed the line in P1 this year three times, including a dominant Grand Slam in Australia, will match the output of Lewis Hamilton in the second half. I'm actually going to further this one and say Lewis Hamilton will pass Charles Leclerc in the championship. Um, and, yeah, I'm just going to go out and say it. Both these guys are only scoring one win for the rest of the season. Uh, I got Max taking at least five wins, if not more, of the final nine rounds. So that doesn't leave much room for, for many more people to win a race. Um, I believe Lewis is going to get one win to keep his streak of winning a race every season alive. And Leclerc might win that 1-2 for Ferrari in, like, Singapore. But, yeah, past that, nah, Ferrari is only, well, Leclerc, I should say, is only winning one more race this season. That doesn't include Science. Science has really picked up his pace. I could see him winning a race in the second half. Let's go. I got one right, guys. I uh, I technically got it wrong in the second half when I said that they'd both win a race. However, the prediction was that they'd win the same amount of races, and I was right. They both won zero. So I think that's a dub. I think you have to classify that as a dub, right? I, I kind of added to the boldness by just predicting that they'd win one each. Uh, kind of like how with the Ferrari 1-2 thing, I added that it would probably be Singapore or Japan. And, you know, if Ferrari achieved a 1-2 in Monza and then not for the rest of the season, I was taking that as a dub. It didn't have to be in one of those races. So this is the same thing. This one was correct. 80%. I think this one was less bold than the Perez one. So that's why I think it should have been flipped around. However, it's a dub. Now, let's roll the most ridiculous prediction and of course this one did not come correct unfortunately but yeah let's roll it now 100 percent, my last and most ridiculous prediction my all-in 100 percent boldness rating prediction you ready you ready i'm going with daniel ricardo to score a podium yeah, I have zero reasoning for this. <laughs> um, really, besides the fact that it would be the most Daniel thing of all time to put a random amazing performance in and like do it in like Austin or something because he just felt good that day and he's got his mustache and his cowboy hat on before the race. And, you know, because he's on his way out of McLaren, it would just be like such a Daniel Ricardo drive to survive moment. <laughs> and, yeah, honestly, probably won't happen. But I would absolutely love if it did. I think everyone would. It would just be hilarious. Well, 
that was just an absolute L. Um, of course, he came nowhere close. He did finish P5 in Singapore, but, you know, behind his teammate. And he was really nowhere close to a podium. So that was definitely not a great prediction, but it was 100% boldness. So I had to go for it. And, you know, he, he won a race in Monza last year completely out of nowhere. So I had I had to do it, right? Anyway, that is it for looking back on my predictions. Overall, very happy with my preseason predictions. However, my midseason predictions were were kind of shocking. Uh, I technically got 80%, but it was probably more like 70 because um, that was a very iffy choice to to put that 80% one over the 60% prediction because Perez not on the podium. That was that was extremely bold. That could have been a 100% prediction, honestly. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, – I thought it would be fun to just look back on, on what I said earlier and, you know, go back into the break bias vault – However, this should be the more fun part of the episode, guys. I'm not going to keep you waiting anymore. It is time for the breakies. All right, guys. Now we get into uh, the fun part of the episode where I bring on uh, my friend of the podcast, Andrew Shackleton. And uh, we will go over some awards throughout the 2022 F1 season presenting uh the breakies is what i'm calling them uh so yeah shock how are you doing first of all hey man good doing good happy to be back on the pod talk those yeah. words yeah you ready to give some out yeah ready to all do right <laughs> perfect all right so first i'll just list the nominations for every award and then yeah you and i will discuss uh who the breakies should be awarded to um so i think we uh start off with an easy one here best race of the season so i have the british grand prix the brazilian grand prix and honestly i don't really see any two from this year that really stand out besides those um unless you think there is one yeah i think you gotta go for uh you gotta do the british grand prix for sure that was by far the most exciting race of the season yeah i guess you as the red bull fan probably uh didn't love brazil as much as some other people huh <laughs> definitely not definitely not i mean the british Grand Prix was pretty frustrating too but it was just like non-stop battle at the end there and then right definitely the most yeah. exciting race through goes hamilton yeah that <laughs> yeah, was uh gotta give, an, <laughs> gotta give a dundee maybe to uh to crofty there too <laughs> yeah for sure we don't have a best commentary of the season but i think that would take the cake wouldn't it um so sure. yeah no brainer um well i i don't really object to that i think if you went race of the season versus weekend of the season maybe it would be a bit a bit closer because brazil had an insane quality uh a great sprint race and then a great race too where i think if you have to just take the race you got to go with the british grand prix so all right i guess that settles it Agreed. so race of the season british grand prix first award first breaky ever awarded <laughs> yeah just like that books. yeah exactly <laughs> all right so now we're moving on to the second one i got the best driver performance of the season so now there is a ton that you could pick from this season so a couple of the ones i got written down here um, i got max verstappen in belgium winning the race from p14 on the grid that one will be tough to beat um i also have alex albon in australia doing that like ridiculous 57 lap stint on the hard tires and then pitting on the last lap uh, and still scoring points for, for Williams. That was pretty insane drive. Uh, I got Nick DeVries in Monza, uh, different type, different type of drive where it's may not stand out just pure performance wise, but to just hop in that car for the first time and, you know, get points in the worst car on the grid. 
um, is pretty impressive. And I got George Russell in Brazil because I think um, even though Mercedes was extremely quick that weekend, you know, he he performed basically as well as anyone possibly could. He drove brilliantly that day and didn't put a foot wrong. So those are the four that I have written down. Um, do you think there's any other ones that stand out from this year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with those. Uh, being a bit biased, I'm definitely going to go with Max in Belgium. That was just pure dominance. That was insane. Um, and if I were to go outside of those ones, I would maybe even go uh, Magnussen with P5 in Bahrain at the start of the season. That was a that was an awesome race to watch and kind of a shocker to see him in the top five. Yeah, 100%. I, I had that one written down and I was thinking, I'm like, I don't know if it can really like hang with these four that I that I put down because, you know, Haas was quick at the beginning of the season for one. Um, he got P5 because of two retirements ahead of, with the Red Bulls, right? He, he would have been in P7 and he was best of the rest. And don't get me wrong, it was an amazing drive. I was thinking of putting it down. But yeah, I don't know if I could bring myself to to pick that one over like Albon or Max. Because like, to, to me, those are the top two. Um, right. I think Albon's drive in Australia was insanity. And then Max in Belgium was just pure dominance the entire weekend. So... Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I I kind of I kind of like Albon here though. Um, so you you would pick Max? I I'd, I'd have to put my vote for Max for sure. Okay, you well Albon? you know what, you're 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 a little bit more confident in in your pick than I am. So I, I'll get on board with the Max because I think that's definitely in the top two. So there we go. Driver performance of the season okay. to Max Verstappen. Uh, that was just insane. I mean, everyone was so excited going into that weekend. Like, oh, we might see, you know, jumbled grid. We might get a different winner. And then Max just absolutely pooped on everyone. So uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Like he was yeah. winning by like lap 14. Yeah, that was that was insane. Um, like you said the car was just a rocket ship that weekend. And yeah, fucking dominant. Yeah, absolutely. Um all right, so the, I think this could be a, a funny one, and I have a lot of uh, nominations for this as well. The worst team weekend of the season. So here, here are all the nominations here. So we have Ferrari in Monaco, Ferrari in Baku, Ferrari in Spain, Ferrari in France, Ferrari in Hungary, Aston Martin in Australia, you remember the that was a pretty shocking weekend for mm-hmm. them lance yeah okay <laughs> red bull yep. in bahrain red bull in brazil uh mercedes in imola that was probably their worst weekend of the season if if not singapore when uh lewis finished p9 george russell was crashing with mick schumacher like a lap down and then mclaren in bahrain where they just had literally zero pace so yeah that, that was a lot to go through there but i think they all honestly <laughs> qualify for what could be the worst weekend of the season um if you remember all those nominations i just gave you which one stands out to you i think you'd have to definitely just give it to ferrari um <laughs> they just, just get the general <laughs> yeah. yeah they get they get the overall just worst worst team just strategy all year round but um oh they pick an actual race well okay how about we Spain. Yeah, how about we narrow it down to Ferrari? So we'll, we'll get rid of Aston Martin, Red Bull, Mercedes, all those. I do think the Aston Martin one in Australia could give give it a run for its money. But I, I'll agree with you. We, I think Ferrari just deserves this award no matter which weekend it is. So 
let's break it down. We got Monaco, where they completely screwed Charles Leclerc out of a sure win at his home race. Mm -hmm. Double stacking. I mean, just you couldn't get more stupid than that, especially when it's, you know, it's the guy's home race. It's your it's your golden boy. Like imagine Red Bull doing that to Max Verstappen in in the Dutch Grand Prix. Yeah. Like there would it would be an outrage. <laughs> like that that was That's ridiculous. True. Of course, Baku is pretty simple. It's just a double DNF. Um, Spain, yeah, that was the one that you said stood out to you. Yeah, I thought Spain, but uh, after going through Monaco, yeah, I, I forgot about that. Like Monaco might take the cake. That was that was heartbreaking for Leclerc, especially the past couple seasons. You know, he gets he gets, a, he gets pulled last year, and then the car doesn't even get to go racing and this year you thought maybe he had it and the team just butchers him so yeah i think i'd have to go monaco honestly yeah monaco monaco's tough tough to beat um because spain really like i think that was a big turning point in the season with leclerc crashing out of or not crashing out sorry dnfing out of probably a sure win he was kind of dominating up to that point signs uh he spun off into the gravel but in terms of like the actual team i don't think they made a mistake um france though i i do think france has to be in consideration uh of course Charles Leclerc having the the famous crash on his own out of the out of the lead uh and then if you remember what happened with signs um they were telling him like to pit i don't remember what it was they were telling him something while he was like overtaking checo and he's like guys like shut up like not right now (laughs) do you remember that (laughs) (laughs) so that that was a bad look and then of course hungary is just putting leclerc on the hard tires completely screwed him out of that one too um Mm -hmm. so i don't know i think it's between monaco and france Mm -hmm. you you think monaco though i think I think Monaco, just because France was, uh, that was Leclerc's fault. If you're going to go just all around just team, team yeah. driver, everything. Yeah. I think you just got to go Monaco. Monaco takes cake. Okay. I can get behind that. Let's do that. Worst team weekend of the season. Ferrari in Monaco at Charles Leclerc's home race. Uh, what a shame. What a shame. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. I think this one might be a no brainer. I have a lot of nominations for this as well, but it was the best result to watch this season so here here are the nominations um one that you actually mentioned already magnuson p5 and bahrain the viking comeback as i as i called it uh the magnuson pole as well in brazil uh ferrari won two in bahrain that was pretty special for them uh the george russell win slash merc one two in brazil the carlos signs first win uh checo's pole in saudi arabia and then mick schumacher's first points so I, the reason I said this is a no-brainer is I think it has to be Magnuson Pole, doesn't it? Yes, I would also, I would also say Ferrari won two in Bahrain, um, and the reason I say that is just because Merck and Red Bull have just been dominant the past like what is it two three years now, just one two, and for Ferrari to be back was just huge for Formula One, and it just kicked off the season in such a such an exciting way, and. Obviously, it didn't end very exciting for them, but you know, it yeah, just, yeah, I don't know. That was just a really, really cool moment for Formula One and to see them back. No, I agree 100%. And I think it's funny to even think back to a time where we were super excited about Ferrari um, because it's just hasn't felt like that in so long. But at that time, it was like, holy, like, shit, Ferrari is for real. And yeah for the first three races, it was looking like Ferrari might run away with it. And that one, two in Bahrain, I think of course 
it fell into their lap a little bit because Max was going to finish second in that race. Um, but still, Ferrari made a statement at the beginning of that season, and it was very special to see them up on that podium for sure. Um, but I don't know, man. Can it beat Haas taking a pole position? Haas, where they were last <laughs> yeah. year? I don't know, man. And the fact, like, he got to celebrate it in the garage with his team, like, the way it happened. Like, I was losing my mind. Like, just the, to think of a Haas on pole position. Sure, it was for a sprint race, but, like, that was nuts. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. Definitely beats his P5, even though he didn't finish that great in that race. But yeah, that was that was a pretty insane moment for Haas and for Magnuson. Oh, uh, boy. Who do you give it to, though? Yeah, so I, I don't know if any, any... like There's a lot of great moments from the season. Uh, we had four first-time uh, people on pole position with George, mm-hmm, Carlos, true. Checo, and, and Kevin. Um, but And yeah, a couple first wins, too, with George and Carlos. And I, I, I loved Schumacher's first points, but I don't know, like Magnuson's pull to me, even though it might sound like a bit of recency bias is just, it easily is, it's a no brainer to me, but. Okay. I'll, I'll go with you on that one. Just do Magnuson. All right. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Magnuson pull wins the breaky for the best result to watch. All right, this is another good one. Uh, Lots to choose from here. You might have forgot some of these. I I had to do some research to remember some of these. The funniest moment of the season. So let me give you the nominations and see how many of these you you remember. So the first of all, I don't know if you saw this one because you have to watch Sky Sports F1 to see this moment. But Martin Brundle's grid walk in Miami. Did you ever see that clip? I did watch that. That was absolutely yeah. hilarious. <laughs> yeah, you went up to uh, Paolo Bancaro and said, Patrick Mahomes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like that was the, the, the funniest thing. Like DJ Khaled was there. He he was like looking for a celebrity to talk to and he walked straight past Dwayne Wade and didn't even notice that it was him. Um, yeah. there, was, there was just <laughs> countless amount of hilarious moments in that good walk. So I think that one has to be mentioned. Um, the next one is... Uh, Daniel Ricardo smacking Lando with the with the space hopper at the British Grand Prix. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. that was that was hilarious too. Like just absolutely smoked them, man. <laughs> and Crofty's <laughs> on the commentary also just made it so much funnier as well. He's like literally doing commentary for some stupid space hopper race. And yeah, that was that was hilarious. Um, an example I gave to you earlier, the Latifi turning the wrong way at the Japanese Grand Prix and then blaming it on the car. Um, mm-hmm. that was a classic go TV moment. Um, I don't know if this, this qualifies as funny, but I put it down because I did absolutely love this moment. And, uh, it was when Alonso gave Sonoda the finger wag in Austria. Yes. Yes. I do remember that. Honestly, Alonso should just get his own category for just like best Alonso radio moments. Maybe we should have came <laughs> up with that, but, um, I, I do really like that moment too. Just classic Alonso. Um, I have Sebastian Vettel riding the scooter in Australia. Do you remember him just remember taking that. this? He just he just took the scooter for a spin and like free practice. And keep in mind that was also his first race weekend of the season because he had COVID and Saudi right, and Bahrain. Right. Yeah, and so he just comes out like he does not give, like he does not care at all about this season. He's just out there ripping on a scooter. And okay, well, if you don't remember that, we'll, oh we'll throw that God. one in the bin because if, <laughs> if it wasn't memorable enough, okay. then it's clearly not the winner. Um, and then the last one I have here is the cool down room in Hungary. And if you remember this, 
this is when uh, Lewis and Max were laughing about the fact that Ferrari put on the hards. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, so most of those cool down rooms could be uh, nominated. There's, it could be like the most awkward award to go towards those cool down rooms. Uh, I still think one of the most awkward cool down rooms was definitely in Japan when Max won the championship and they, they put him in that room, like to sit by himself on the throne. Yeah. And then he's like, this is weird. <laughs> he's like, I'm not going to sit in here alone. Like there's people in the next room. I'm going to go like hang with them. Yeah. That was yeah. hilarious too. But I don't know. I think a lot of those moments are pretty funny. If I had to pick my top three, I think would have to be the cool down room in Hungary, uh, the grid walk and uh, Daniel Ricardo smacking Lando. Unless you okay. think Latifi should be in the top three. I just don't think Latifi should win any award, really. Um, <laughs> Fair I'd, enough. I'd, I'd like to nominate Yuki Sonoda's just radio messages, just gen- in general. They're just, That's true. They're just hilarious. The way he, his creativity of just curses and just not really understanding English. It's just yeah. it's hilarious hearing him speak. My favorite one, I think, from Sonoda is actually still from last year is we, when he was like, this is effing traffic paradise and like qualifying. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was that was the best yeah. one by far. Um, yeah. No, that's a good that's a good one we could throw in. So if we had to. All right. So if we had to narrow it down here. If we have Yuki Sonoda in the top three, I'd probably take out the, the cool down room then. Um, okay. And well, it's between the grid walk. Daniel Ricardo smacking Lando and just Yuki Sonoda in general. Also Yuki with Pierre doing the karaoke. Did you see that? Yes, I did. Yeah. I just thought of that. That was also, that was also <laughs> hilarious. So Yuki, uh, Yuki Sonoda is just the the funnest, funniest moment in and of himself. Um, all his moments combined. Um, but I don't know. I think, I think, I think the grid walk, I don't know. Usually the grid walks are just like, you know, you're waking up early or, then on the race you know you're just getting a feel for the race and for him to just walk around there like it was very entertaining to watch yeah the only thing that makes me hesitant about that one is like was it more cringe than it was funny it was pretty cringe <laughs> yeah so that's the thing it's like we're, we're doing funniest moment and yes it was funny it was funny because of how cringy it was so does it qualify properly for the funniest moment i don't know mm-hmm. i think it definitely is still up there though Okay. Uh, jeez. I don't know. You got to. You pick one. You pick one. Uh, I'll I'll stick with the grid walk. The cringy funniest the, moment. Grid walk definitely is a famous moment from this season for sure. Um. Yeah. You know what? I can get behind that. I can get behind that. I won't argue it. I do think Daniel Ricardo smacking Lando was absolutely hilarious. Um. But you know the British Grand Prix already got race of the weekend. You know, we'll, we'll we'll they already got their award, so we'll give it to Miami. Right here, yeah, exactly. So Martin Brundle, you win the funniest moment of the year for your cringy grid walk in Miami. Congratulations! We'll give him a round of applause for that. Great job, Martin Brundle. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, now this one. Um, Meme of the season. So I, I can only think of three, but I thought this would just be a funny category to talk about anyway. So here are the three memes that I think stood out the most this season. Of course, we have to talk about Gotifi. Um, however, you don't think he deserves an award. Or is that just Latifi doesn't deserve an award, but Gotifi can win an award? 
Gotifi could, yes. Okay, yes. okay. Good. <laughs> I'm glad we cleared Gotifi, that up. No. Yeah. All right. Uh, so then, of course, the Ferrari strategy clowns. I think I saw a million of those. Um, and the third one is George Russell is the type of guy to. <laughs> those were good ones. Yeah. Well, actually, you know what? There's, or, or there's a lot liked of... liked by Pierre Gasly. Oh, how did I forget liked by Pierre Gasly? True. That's a great one. I just thought of this one, too. All the uh, Red Bull, like, eating memes, like the catering memes after the cost cap. Um those were good too so i don't know which one for you because honestly i have no idea i think this one's tight this one is tight uh man the friar ones were gold they were they were really good because you just saw them every single weekend you just knew it was coming <laughs> the race didn't even start you just knew you'd see it on your your feed yeah they uh, certainly did not end for like a certain like mid part of the season it was every weekend just a new one yeah. And Leclerc just getting sadder and sadder. <laughs> yes. Oh boy. Uh God, there is a lot of good ones. George Russell, the yeah, type I... of guy too, was was short lived. It it didn't last that long. No. Um, but at the height of them, like the fact that he even like participated in them was was hilarious. And like all the I don't know if it's even related, but like all like the crikey and blimey uh yeah. jokes too were also <laughs> extremely funny um go tifi i mean I, that could be an easy pick uh yes like, i think the funniest the best go tifi moment if that was a category i think has to be when he finished fp3 p1 that one time mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. total random just absolutely dominates the field yeah <laughs> oh that was that was actually hilarious and then like he in that qualifying he goes purple in the first sector and everyone's like, what is happening right now? And then he still finished P20. Uh, that was Wasn't it like a purple sector and then just like yellow, yellow. I don't know. I think the last, I think he like almost spun out in the last sector and that's what like cost his time. So I'm not sure if it was yellow in the second sector. Like he actually was on a good lap and then he just made right. one mistake that I think blew it all. Um, but Latifi's not usually you know on camera. So why don't we give it to Gotifi? Because he will probably never be talked about much more in the future. He's out of Formula One. He deserves it. He deserves something. Yeah. Okay. I I can I can do that. Gotifi, you win meme of the season. He was talked about from start to finish as well. So if we have to we have to consider the longevity of these memes as well. I think Gotifi actually probably lasted the longest, even longer than Ferrari strategy clowns. So there mm-hmm. you go. Gotifi, meme of the season. All right, we're getting uh, close to the end here. Um, I got the biggest drama of the season. And I, I'm curious what you'll pick for this one because your team is involved in two of the biggest dramas. And that is the cost cap. Um, just like the team orders drama with Red Bull in Brazil. And then the Alpine driver blunder, if, if that's what you want to call it. Um, was there any really other big dramas yeah, I mean, those were the three biggest moments of the year was the Red Bull driver pairing, drama, cost cap, and Alpine. I can't really think of anything else. Um, and I think you got to – the cost cap's one thing, but the the present for Stappen drama, I think, would have to take the number one spot. Just for – I think so. To be a, for, just to be a Verstappen fan and to see that, it was so cringy and it was so just like – you just didn't want to be a Verstappen fan in that moment. And it, it was, it was really, really bad. 
to be a fan and fan of Red Bull and himself. Just like yeah. the selfishness of it to to not give him that that extra point. It didn't end up mattering, but that that's really not the point. Is that 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 race meant nothing for Max in the championship and podiums and stats, nothing. And for him to just do that to get back at him for what he did in Monaco, which if Prez did that on purpose or not, who knows? But yeah, that, that was a pretty big moment, pretty dark moment as a Red Bull fan. Yeah, the optics of it were just were really bad. I I don't know if I can agree with you here though. The it was it was very short lived drama. I feel like the way Red Bull handled handled it wasn't perfect, but they did I think do a good job in Abu Dhabi of just putting it to bed. Where the cost cap lasted for a while, and the Alpine driver thing was just ridiculous. I I don't know. Maybe it doesn't qualify as a drama. It's just like a big screw up from Alpine. Um, but I think there definitely is an element of drama. And I did think of one more. I don't think this wins. But uh, what about um, Aston Martin copying Red Bull uh, at the True. beginning of the season? That was another <laughs> one, yeah. I don't think that I think wins. I think that was pretty short-lived, too, seeing where they yeah. ended up. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think that wins. But I just want to throw that out there because I just thought of it. Um, so you actually think Red Bull in Brazil? Because I don't know. I think I think the cost cap wins this one. Maybe I just I think there's bigger implications to the Verstappen Perez drama, and I don't think it's over. I think Red Bull basically told Perez to shut up and Verstappen to apologize and them to quickly get over it. I don't think it's over, and I think actually, them signing Ricardo might have a bigger meaning to than just a third driver. You know, if if Perez starts to not be the driver they want him to be next year, Ricardo could like. He's a guy there that could take his place. You know, you never know. Um, you know, I think you made a really good point because, one. yeah, the if you think about it, the Alpine driver thing, it was huge at the time, but they were kind of able to save it sort of by getting Gasly into the fold. And the cost cap, it kind of, I don't think it, um, how do I put it? I don't think it like came to the end that a lot of people wanted to see um obviously if you're a red bull fan it's a bit different but i think everyone else wanted a bit larger of a punishment for the most mm-hmm. part so i think it kind of had a lame ending to it where this red bull in brazil drama it might not still be over um so exactly. you know what I, I'm, I'm down to give it to that so drama of the season red bull in brazil some team order drama uh something we've seen in formula one plenty of times um, so this one, I think will be quick, biggest surprise of the season. This is the only one I'm not going to do a nomination for. And I want to hear what's the first thing that comes to your mind. Mercedes being slow. <laughs> Mercedes coming into the season. Just, yeah. The car not okay. being there. That's that the only thing. Yeah. That's the only thing I wrote down. So, okay. No brainer surprise of the season. Mercedes slower than a sla- than a snail and porpoising. Um, Last award of the season for the breakies, and that is driver of the season. Um, my nominations, this is how I wrote it down. Who else could it be besides Max? And then I wrote down Lando, Charles, George, Fernando. Is there an argument like for any of those guys beside, <laughs> like, to go up against Max? Zero. I don't think there was one. You don't think so? I I've heard some pretty good arguments for Lando. To be honest, I like what did he what did he do wrong? What did he do wrong? Right? 
Yeah, but it's just how could you give that to Lando over just the most do- one of the most dominant seasons we've seen in Formula One, record breaking. Yeah, that's that's why I wrote it down that way because I was like, <laughs> I I feel like you're gonna pick Max. Obviously, you're you're a fan of him, but I was wondering if you really did think that any of those guys could challenge. Because I mean, George was pretty phenomenal. He had a bit of a bad stretch in the middle of the season. But other than that, to go up against Lewis, um, and obviously the car wasn't quite there to to challenge up front. I think he did a phenomenal job. And then I think Charles and Fernando had moments of just insane brilliance, but they also had their mistakes. So I think it's hard for to pick them. Like Fernando in Brazil, even though he had a good race, just kind of like what he did with Ocon, I think automatically just disqualifies him. Like just like yelling at him mm-hmm. from team radio when it was like clearly his fault on the straight, mm-hmm. just like ran into the back of him. Fernando's a, a sassy boy. Um, he did have a brilliant season at 41. So I think he deserves a mention, but yeah, no, I'm with you. It's got to be driver of the season, Max Verstappen. So yeah, that is all the awards, Max Verstappen. You are driver of the season. Shocking. Um, so the last thing here, Shaq is, uh, I want you to rate this season out of 10. Um, and we don't have to come to a, uh, a conclusion here where we have just one rating out of the 10 between the two of us. We'll have our own rating. So I want to hear yours first though. Um, and you don't have to do it in comparison to 2021. Cause then we obviously know 22 is going to be like a zero. So just in general, how much did you enjoy the season rated out of 10? As a max fan, 10 out of 10 as <laughs> an average viewer, it was pretty mid. It was, if you're not a max fan, it was a pretty mid season giving it like a six or a seven, not too many exciting moments. You kind of knew what you're getting week in and week out. So, yeah. Second half overall. The second half killed the season for sure. I think there was the first half of the season. um, There's a, there's a thought that there was going to be a good title fight. Uh, We had quite a bit of Ferrari drama as well. And we had some good battles and some decent races at the start, but it really just kind of lost steam in the second half with the Red Bull dominance. Um, so you're going with a six or a seven? Yeah, I got 6.5. 6. 6.5 out of 10. Um, I think we have to remember how good it was at the beginning. Not that it was like amazing. Um, I think 6.5 is a pretty good show. I'll go, I'll go with seven. I think it was slightly better than a 6.5, just to give it a round number. Seven out of 10. The beginning had some pretty good moments. Um, but yeah, the second half really killed it. It probably went from like, a 7.58 down to a seven, arguably a 6.5. I, I could agree with that, to be honest. Um, so yeah, that is, that is it for the breakies. Thank you so much, Jack, for, uh, for coming on and handing out these awards with me. No worries. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, that was fun. We'll, uh, we'll have to do it again in the new year. This is the last episode of 2022. Um, so yeah, we'll figure something out. Maybe we can do a little drive to survive review again. For sure. And congratulations on your uh, first season. Yeah. Thanks, man. Well, guys, that's going to do it for the Pierre Henri Raffinelle episode, the last break bias of 2022. Next year, I have a goal to get more interviews, uh, have some video content for you guys. And really just put out a better product out there, you know, for for you loyal listeners. I thank you guys so much. I hope you have a great holiday. I'm your host, Brad Kramer, and I will catch you all in 2023. Goodbye.